Welcome to the Spoken Word Poetry Podcast. Listen in as poet and artist Ariana R. Cherry features words written from her heart and performed from her soul. Every week, you will hear original poetry spoken through performance art and storytelling. Listen weekly on Anchor, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and iHeartRadio. Truth, stories, and poetry. Exactly what the soul needs. Hello, welcome to Spoken Word Poetry Podcast. Tonight we have Meg Smith, who is a poet. She actually found our website, Poetry Essentials Hub, and we shared some of her poetry on our blog. And if you haven't been there yet already, it's a new website that I just put up. I don't know if it's been up a few weeks now. Um, You can go to it at poetryessentialshub.com. There is a blog, there's poetry videos. We're in the midst of trying to create a gift store. There's books and I keep hope to add a lot more. And I hope to find a lot more poets to interview like Meg herself. And tonight we've got Meg Meg Smith on, um, on our show. And hello, Meg. Hi there, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I live in Lowell, Massachusetts. And um, I am the author of five poetry books, the four most recent of which have been published by um, Emu Books in Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire. I am a journalist by profession. And um, also I am a dancer as well. And I produced events. I produced a lot of dance and literary events in the area. Um, I served for quite a few years on the board of Lowell Celebrates Kerouac. That's a festival we have here in Lowell in honor of Jack Kerouac, who was born and, and raised here. And um, writing is, I would say, one of my lifelong passions. Um, I love to write poetry, certainly, and I love to tell stories in writing. And um, for me, it's just part of a great adventure. And um, and I feel grateful, too, that I've been able to channel my writing into my profession of, of journalism and that thereby telling people stories and chronicling the the events of the community and the world. And um, I'm thrilled to be able to share um, some of that here in this podcast. That's awesome. I was looking through actually some of your travelers uh, photos on your uh, megsmithwriter.com website. And I just wanted to make the comment that my boyfriend would be incredibly drawn. It would be incredibly jealous because in (laughs) September of 2018, it said, you visited Dublin and you stopped by home once occupied by Bram Stoker, author of That's Dracula. Right. Yep. Uh, and he like loves all that. So I, you know, I haven't told him yet, but I was going to be like, Hey, I talked to someone who's been in Bram Stoker's like house. So. Yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, um, that was a, a really uh, neat moment. I, I took myself on a little walking tour of, of Dublin mm-hmm. and I just kind of found some landmarks that I knew I wanted to go and see. Um, my mother is from Ireland. Oh, neat. Uh, so I'm a first generation Irish American. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, growing up, it was really cool uh, knowing that Bram Stoker was this famous Irish author who yeah. was the author of Dracula. So I made a point of going to um, 
to find his house That's and awesome. have my picture taken. So yeah, um, just to prove the moment. <laughs> yes, and I love that. I think it's some sort of a door knocker. That I don't know if it yeah, is really that gothic that, looking. Yes, door yeah. I was going to show him that picture and everything because, but you know, I was going to tell him after the interview. So. <laughs> But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, she said he'd be like so jealous right now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you also said you're a journalist. And funny thing, I actually write for our local newspaper here in town. And then I've been writing for another newspaper in another town that's know, about 15 minutes away. And I think I've been writing for them, I don't know, about eight years. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. local journalism. That's yeah. Yeah, that's what I do too. That's where it's at, I feel. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I really hope that newspapers stick around. I know some of them are digital and paper, but I don't know so, with you being a journalist if you ever worry about like the newspaper itself just like going away. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, my um well, I've been uh a journalist by profession now for actually this year is um my 30th wow. year, my that's 30th awesome. anniversary and I feel, I certainly, obviously, because I've been doing this for so long, I feel very passionately that journalism is important. It's, oh, yeah. it's important as a profession, but I also really feel that it's just important in terms of our democracy. Mm -hmm. We need to have um, outlets of information that are sure. objective and tell all sides of a story oh, Yes, and, and listen to um, people who have different points of view, maybe even conflicting points of view. Mm -hmm. And to be able to um, share those experiences through through good writing, through good photography, um, it's true, as you say, uh, there are definitely challenges in the digital age. Mm -hmm. Another way that I look at it, too, is that um, we now have tools for telling those stories that um, are relatively new. For example, just being able to go and shoot a, a live video mm -hmm. of an event that's happening, um, for example, um, and I'm sure this will be familiar to you too. I, I covered several um, rallies and vigils in memory of George Floyd. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of, you know, events promoting um, civil rights and, and calling for an end to racial injustice. And um, so th that's just one example of, of events that I covered. And you're now really in the moment and you're able to take photos, you're able to shoot live videos that you mm -hmm. can post right away, you're able to shoot videos that can be embedded into a story later as a kind of archiving. Yeah. Um, so, so I think another way to look at it is having more tools to tell about important events that affect For sure. all of us. And, and what my hope is, and my prayer and, and my message um, to readers, to consumers, is that um, in order to continue doing that work, we do need to have their support, oh, and yes. we do need to have their um, their understanding of the important work that we're trying to do, and that they're in fact part of that work. Um, because to me, journalism is like a dialogue; oh, it's like yeah. a two-way street, really. That is very true, and with everything being almost on the internet, I mean, you could get news out like so much faster than they could back in the old days. I mean. So, I mean, that's what's great about it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, and it also increases the challenge of because no matter what you do in journalism, you absolutely have to make sure that you get it right. Oh, yeah. That, or you'll and be that you get uh, it accurately. You're, you'll Sometimes hear that I term fake like news. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and even in the in the time in the day of instantaneous 
information. Um, I always feel like, well, it's also the age of instantaneous um, misinformation mm-hmm. if, if something is not conveyed correctly. And so I always, I always kind of advocate that it's worth taking a, a split second to take a step back yeah. and make sure that what you're putting out there is, is really true, true to yourself and true to, you know, the event oh, that you're yeah. trying to share. Well, you probably cover more large areas. I'm more of a small rule <laughs> writer. You know, we've got, you know, the, the features, you know, occasionally I do those. And then, you know, we've got, you know, school board and village board, but I always double check if I have a question, because I don't want to print something wrong, local information, because yeah. a lot of people depend on their small newspaper for their Absolutely. information. Oh yeah. That's, that's where it's at. And, and I, and I've done a lot of um, that very same kind of local journalism for a long time. And much like you, I have covered city councils mm-hmm. and school committees and, um, here in, um, in Massachusetts, of course, we have uh, boards of selectmen or select boards. Some of them are called um, these days. And we also have a thing called town meeting mm-hmm. um, in many of our communities. And so, yeah, they, um, to your point, especially in local, local journalism, your community is really depending on you mm-hmm. to, yeah. um, to, to tell them what's going on and, and telling them, you know, in a fair and, and accurate way. Sure. Well, I don't want to take up all your time with journalism, but it was just interesting because I was like, oh, she's a journalist and I write for newspapers. So we kind of had that in common. And then my boyfriend liked Graham Stokers. So I was like, I had to make the connection. So, <laughs> but, um, so I was, you're, you talk about being a journalist. So I just wondering, were you a poet first or a journalist first, or how did your interest in poetry come along? Oh, that, that's a really awesome question. You know, to be honest with you, I think I kind of came up doing both Mm -hmm. at the same time because I remember from the time I was a little kid I I remember always like writing short stories and writing poetry and drawing and um but also that um I really liked reading newspapers and I even liked kind of inventing my own newspapers and and magazines and things like that oh cool um in fact then I did when I got to be a little more of a grown-up I published my own zine Oh, for four neat. years. So I, I kind of feel like they came up simultaneously uh-huh. in a way and that I became a lifelong learner, That's you know, awesome. in them, in both of them. That's awesome. Yeah, we're in the middle of trying to, like, you. I think you saw it, start our first magazine. We've been publishing books for a couple of years, but I've been publishing books myself for uh, since 2004. But, um, but yeah, the magazine will be a new thing, but I don't feel like it'll be that new to me since I already write for papers and I know the format and I actually work at a church and I do newsletters so putting it together will be nothing so oh, yeah that's so cool yeah I, I look forward to that that sounds yeah. that sounds great yeah it'd be awesome um and also I see you do live in Massachusetts now and you've been there for a while but you were also originally from Boston so how did you come from you know you start at Boston and then end up in Lowell Massachusetts sure um well my dad was born and raised in Charlestown, which um, was, and, and to some degree still is, um, uh, an Irish and, and Catholic um, neighborhood in Boston. It's on the harbor. So he grew up surrounded by ships and, and the USS Constitution, which is the oldest commission ship in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we definitely had um, kind of a lot of, uh, you could say, mariners' tales. Um, influencing our upbringing. And my mother immigrated from Ireland um, to the Boston area because there was a call for nurses. And Mm -hmm. she had 
gone to nursing school in Dublin. So she and her friends decided to come over and, and seek their fortune in uh, the United States. And they met and married. Mm-hmm. And um, after a few years, this decided to uh, move out to Lowell, which is about a half an hour north of Boston. And we were um, living in a town called Bilbrica, mm-hmm. which is right outside of Lowell. Mm-hmm. And over the over the years, I got familiar with the city of Lowell, and I decided that I really liked it. And so I went to school at the University of Massachusetts at Lowell. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, I met my husband, my late husband, through different poetry readings oh, and poetry nice. gatherings and through the Lowell Celebrates Kerouac Festival. Mm-hmm. So we decided to make our home here, and we bought um, a beautiful home here. And um, I still feel very, very connected to my Boston roots and certainly my Boston Irish roots. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I also am very much in love with my adopted city of Lowell. And and the the cool thing is, it's like that they're Lowell and Boston. They're like family members that don't live that far away. Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. You know, you're you're never too far and and you can always visit. Mm And before I have you talk about, you know, a couple of your, your poems or whatever you want to read, sure. one other question. Um, sure. Has um, the pandemic or COVID maybe like, you know, you talk about you went to poetry readings. I mean, has it maybe hurt or is it changed the way you've done your poetry or changed the way you've done journalism? Or how, I guess, has your life changed this this year? Has it changed much? Sure. Um, yeah, that that's a great question also. Um and yes, I, I definitely agree. I mean, all of us have seen, I would say, some really major significant changes in the way we do things mm-hmm. and, and the way we live our lives because of the pandemic. On the journalism side, it certainly created a lot of extra work because there was so much news that was just driven mm-hmm. by the coronavirus. And sadly, some of that was very tragic because mm-hmm. it included uh, people who were getting sick and dying and yeah. following those cases. And, um, and, and that is never an easy thing to do as a journalist. And it certainly was not um, easy um, in this case. Mm-hmm. And also you're following um, how the economy is affected, how communities are affected. Our school districts out here, for example, really had to wrestle with how um, they were going to engage the new. Uh-huh. And many of the school districts opted for sort of a hybrid um, format of in-person and, and remote learning. In terms of the poetry, it's so poignant because just before the outbreak really um, sort of came to us and, and it was made known to us, I had done a poetry reading in a coffee house um, a wonderful poetry series here called Untitled, mm-hmm. and it was recrowded, and we were all gathered in this coffee house, you know, shoulder to shoulder, practically mm-hmm. reading, and I guess breathing on each other, and living a, a certain life that pretty much came to an end after the coronavirus really, when it really became apparent, the magnitude of this thing. Yeah. So I have since that time done a number of virtual um, poetry readings mm-hmm. and um, participated in um, different events that were more like an online format. Mm-hmm. And and I, and that is also kind of a, a form of exploration. I feel like I'm still exploring that as, as I think a lot sure. of folks are. I think they are. Um, so all of those things changed 
for sure. Mm-hmm. And and as a writer, you can't help but be affected. And I think maybe you've even seen yourself that it makes oh, yeah. its way into your writing in in one way or another. Definitely. And um and probably I think it's it's the I think it's going to be with us. You know that impact on our art of writing will probably be with us for a long time. I feel. I think so too. So um, I've probably got another 14 minutes here. Um, so tell us about um, whatever, I don't know, the poems you're going to read or what book they're from. So people are familiar sure. with your writing. Again, you can find Meg Smith at megsmithwriter.com. And she's going to read some of her stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, and thank you for the opportunity to do that. I think what I'd like to do is, since I have five poetry books out, um, is maybe read a little bit from each of them. Okay. And um, and I'd like to start with my very first book, which I published myself in uh, the fall of 1995. So this is a, um, and I am working on a, a 20th, 25th anniversary wow. edition. Awesome. Um, that book is called The First Fire. And it really reflects um, around that time in my life when I decided to move back to Lowell. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a time of great transition it was the 90s too so it was also the time of um grunge music and (laughs) and uh and and being a gen xer myself you know (laughs) seeing your generation very prominently um in the culture so um i would love to read um just a couple of poems from that okay and um including the title poem um the first of the first fire and um, so I, I would be glad to, to share that sure. um, with you. So, and this, this came about sort of like the first apartment that I lived in when I decided to move back to Lowell and just okay. the struggle of people to, to connect sure. with each other, even when they're feeling alone. Uh-huh. So this is the first fire. Inside we bleed fire. It soaks the skin and forms molten scabs to mend the soul. I want to know who made this fire. I want to find more than these bones. Everyone on the street carries it like brittle urns through dust and fumes and dull skies. And when you got home, I heard you in the next room, crying over the world's cold touches and those places in you that are starved for touch. How can we walk when only our shadows brush? Can that friction alone make a spark? And that's the first fire. Okay. Interesting. So um, I also, some of the poems in this book were influenced by people I met um, in my travels near and far. And uh-huh. some uh, were very close to me. This, this poem was in fact inspired by a little boy. Oh, wow. Um, who was deaf and who lived next door to us. His name was Jeffrey. And um, he did some extraordinary things. And this poem is dedicated to him. It's called Master of the Flood. Hmm. Jeffrey baptizes. He climbs the chain link fence and steals a fish from our compost heap. He plunges it into a rain-filled barrel. When the water does not force breath through its gills, He presses the fish to his chest and sobs. In his sleep, he herds the fish through gutters and oily puddles with rainbow sheen. 
He stops and kneels to drink the rainbow, knowing it is God's covenant never again to destroy the earth with water. Hmm. Nice. After we're going to take a small, quick break, and I'm going to stop yeah. this, and then I'll go on to the next one. So keep. So stay tuned. We'll have Meg Smith write some more poems. Read some more poems. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll write some more later. <laughs> I'll be inspired. Yeah. Looking for more poetry? How about you pick up some Poetry Centrals at PoetryCentralsHub.com? It is your place for original written poetry, poetry podcasts, and a chance to even publish your own poetry. If you are craving poetry, then get your essentials at PoetryEssentialsHub.com. Welcome back to Spoken Word Poetry Podcast. Um, We've got Meg Smith here. She was reading some poems in the first half, and she's going to continue on. Welcome back, Meg. Well, thanks for having me again. You're welcome. So feel free to um, go ahead, and you can continue where you left off or start a new one. Um, Go ahead. The floor's yours, as they say. Okay, great. Um, Well, before the break, I was reading from my very first book of poetry called The First Fire, which was um, published in fall 1995. Um, And by the way, the the story behind that is basically that I just put the manuscript together myself and brought it. um, I think it was, um, it was either Kinko copies or Pim printers, uh, one of those places and just got it done. And yeah, which is pretty much how I did my um, zine that I had for four years, mm-hmm. um, and I have um, a literary publication that I started back then, too, called Red F, that I did in a similar um, fashion, and I still do it from time to time, now in the digital format. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just a, a believer in that if, if a person wants to do something and has a dream, that you can just uh, go in and make it come true. So oh, for sure. that's what I did, and... and um, and and I always tell people, yeah, if that's if you want to do something, just you know, yeah. just go for it and do it. You you can make it real. Oh, for um, sure. And I just want to make a comment. You know, with the yeah. internet and self publishing and so many different platforms. I mean, in this day and age, a writer, a poet, you can be published in so many different ways. And and you know, back in the day, you know, you could submit to other places, which you can still do that now. But I just feel like we have so much more control over our own work now, and you know, we can publish. Uh, via a blog we can publish on our own self-publish a book say through amazon or uh, i think there's some lulu um you can publish um on a podcast you can do youtube i mean there's so much more ways we can take control over our own writing career now so yeah that's yeah that's really um that that's that's really true and the possibilities to me seem endless um because as you mentioned for example you can do um, videos on YouTube. You can do a podcast, of, of course, um, like we're like you do, um, mm-hmm. and you can publish a blog. You can do so many different uh, ways. You, you can really make um, some choices about the different kind of media that mm-hmm. you want to use, and um, and w- and even if you're still working in print media, my my four my five poetry books are all um, 
in print, but mm-hmm. you still have all those different ways that you can communicate oh, sure. and share your ideas, and and also take part in in other uh, in other people's creativity oh, yeah. as well. And you know, you've got your your print books. I still offer print. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I am all about the book. You know, while Kindle and digital prints nice, I will always be about the handheld book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, people do, um, a lot of people do come back to that, and just like the feeling of holding a book in their hands, it's like, there are just different ways, I think, to experience writing now. You sure. can, for example, have a book on your Kindle, and like I do, go to the gym with mm-hmm. it, and um, you can, you or you can hold a physical book in your hands, or you can uh, look at things online, or, or even in, in a video format. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, you can almost take it uh, wherever you want to go, really. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So what, um, and in fact, um, what what I ended up doing, and it was actually in the process of my journalism career, um, some years ago I was writing for a newspaper in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, called The Sentinel and Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, um, I met um, a friend. Um, his name is Eric Stanway, and we got to, to be very good friends. And also collaborators on um, the editorial page and, and the lifestyle page and, and other projects for that newspaper. And eventually, he went on to start his own publishing house, Emu Books. Oh, that's awesome! And he's a very yeah, he's a very and he's also a very talented um, graphic artist and layout artist. Mm-hmm. So I approached him about wanting to publish my books and also to design them. Oh, so cool! So. Yeah, so um, so that really became like this other great part of our, our friendship and, and working collaborations together. So my most recent books, um, four poetry books, are, are published through um, through his publishing house in Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire, Emu Books. And um, after my husband, my first husband, um, Lawrence Caradini, um, passed away, um, I wanted to write a book, um, and and I knew that I wanted to dedicate it to his memory. So mm-hmm. my um, next poetry book, Dear Deepest Ghost, um, is dedicated to him, and I'd Aww. love to read a, a couple of yes, poems from ahead. that if I could. Um, and I'll also mention that one of the things I've done over the years is I'm very interested in genre mm-hmm. writing, and I've written a lot of um, stories and poems for the horror and science fiction and speculative market. Awesome. And, um, yeah, and I, and I do find, I did find in the process of that, that, that some things you write um, can sort of blend really from one genre to another. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, so, um, so here's um, a, a poem that um, I wrote um, back probably about 25 years ago, and that was published um, in a journal called The End, mm-hmm. which at that time was published by my friend, the author, Jeffrey Thomas. Mm-hmm. And this poem is called Full. What's it called? I'm sorry. It's called Full. Full, okay. Uh, yeah, Full, like F-U-L-L. Yes. Like, we're full. Um, <laughs> so I make sure I heard it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so as the title implies, it is kind of about, um, you know, inner haunting. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as, as opposed to like, say the idea of being in, in a house that's haunted and, oh, and maybe okay. having those spirits um be external so yes. i thought well i'll try to write something about what happens when the, the spirits are internal so oh, wow that that's awesome 
Yeah, so this so um I so I tried to do justice to that idea. Cool, so I like that idea. The poem called Full. I swallow ghosts and they sustain me. I swallow them in red capsules that weld themselves to my tongue, but soon concede and glide down like leaves. I swallow ghosts and they anesthetize me. They render me weightless as a cobweb billowing outward. So I am lying on the floor while the room carousels around me. I swallow ghosts and they inhabit me. Sometimes they grow claws and try to dig their way out of me because they believe they are still buried alive. When they do this, I rock back and forth and run my hands over my belly and say, it's kicking. When I rage at you, you say, it's all in the past. Feel dirty all you want. But I am not dirty, not anymore. Now what plunges into me is only what I choose. See, it's like this. I swallow ghosts all the time, and they become me. That's really that's cool. I, I like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and you can actually prepare, you know, compare that to, like, our inner demons, like, we're facing, you know, and, like, when they're in us, because, like, you, you can feel, like, if you're, say, someone's been through trauma, and, you know, they can feel all that, especially, like, the memories, they almost become, like, like you said, like, ghosts or they become like demons themselves and they're inside of us and they're kicking their you want you want that trauma out of you so right yeah I, I like that yeah that's cool yeah thank you yeah and, and that's exactly what I tried to um you know what I, what I tried to convey in that um just that that whole idea as as you say mm-hmm. um, I like that you should submit so that I, to the magazine <laughs> Sorry. You should submit that to our magazine. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned, this, this book is dedicated um, in memory to um, my late husband, Lawrence Caradini. He was a poet and also a scientist. Oh, and cool. um, we had 18 wonderful years Aww. together. And um, there's a poem from this book that when I take this book to poetry readings, I often like to read it. It's dedicated to him. Um, two years before he died, he achieved his um, doctoral degree oh, um, wow. in vertebrate zoology. Oh, neat. Yeah, he was a, a very dedicated um, scientist, and, and biology and, and zoology in particular was his passion. But oh, he also wow. had an incredible affinity for all creatures. Um, we would go for a walk, and literally dogs, cats, birds, caterpillars would would make their way up to him um and so <laughs> so again I, I tried to honor that in oh, of course poem, which is also um in dear deepest ghost and it's called doctorate among the living Aww. larry whatever was that white fleeting under the power lines under the horns of mars black dove what was that shadow on the merrimack whooping crane or on the sidewalk a cat molded from night that brooks no passage without first a poem. They do all conciliate. Larry, you were the one true vertebrate, walking upright in that great river of folkways, standing, casting, gathering to yourself fish, and now I among them still cannot contain you, transcending all ever backbone, my fine finest ever silver cloud 
That's really nice. I liked that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I, a, a year after um, that book came out, I, I have to say, after taking something of, of a hiatus from publishing poetry books because I was working on my journalism career and um, my career as an oriental dancer, I then kind of went back, and, and since that time I've been trying to put out a book a, a year. Mm-hmm. Um so the book after that is called um, The Scarlet Dancing. Mm-hmm. And the the theme of it basically is that we all have inner passions and sometimes we do great things with them. Sometimes we start out thinking we're doing great things. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes the, the outcomes are maybe different from what we thought or hoped. Um, but that we all um, have those passions for things we want to do in life, people we care about, people we love, people we think we love, um, things that sort of give us the sustenance of, of life. And that's really the um, the overall theme. So I'd love to sure. read a couple of um, poems from, from this book also. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I, um, I also should mention that all of the, these books have, have sort of a, a collection of poems that are, some are like new poems, some that I wrote just for the, the poetry book. Um, others go back um, as far back as like the early or mid-90s, and some are, are relatively new. This is a poem from the early 90s um, that I wrote when I was doing a lot of writing for all the great Gothic zines and, oh, and magazines that were out at the time. So this poem is called The Night in Fragments. Split open milkweed, scattering seed as light as fairy bones. She wipes her lips and probes her belly, tracing the kick of the greediest one. Be gentle and the deer will come and kneel as you cover its head and reach for the blade. Fly down, sweet night, as the sun sinks through these earthen walls to kiss us warmly as we sleep. I like that one, too. Oh, thank you. Um, some of my um, poems, I, I try to capture my experiences of traveling. Uh-huh. Uh, this is one of these poems. I, I've been to Egypt um, three times. Oh, wow. That's it's, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been really fortunate and blessed to do that. Uh, this is a, a poem from uh, the second trip where I went with um, a group through the Rotary. And uh, we were there for a month, and one of the places we went to was Mount Sinai. Oh, and you wow. have to go in the middle of the night because it's just too hot to go there during oh, the I day. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, so there... my friend and I were, were climbing up in you know almost total darkness, wow. and and I'm talking and not paying attention, really, and I slipped and, and fell. Oh, no. Uh, and uh, fortunately, she made a, a tourniquet for my arm. And yeah. then they put you with the When you finally get to the summit of the place, um, they have these blankets and that you can huddle under and, and go to sleep until um, till the sun rises and you wow. can come back down. So huh. it was quite extraordinary. Um, so I wrote a poem based on that. It's called Dawn on Mount Sinai. Wow. A kitten beholds the downward path between stones and a slanted beam. A Russian Orthodox priest stands in the same path with a slate beard and eyes of blue, fierce promise. From the monastery, a hymn rises to St. Catherine. The sun is her only certain wheel. 
A young man from Lebanon approaches. Zabalchev, good morning. All are a benediction. In the night I fell. The cold pebbles of the moon caught me, as sure as an astronaut's bootprint. The story of Moses caught me. The darkness upheld me. And I upheld this lunar landing, this prayer in my sleep until waking. Flames will spring from our feet and ashes from the sky. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I also want to make a comment. Um, on her website, if you go to her travel, she is... Uh, I don't know if this is a different time, but she is actually on top of a camel out in the yes. desert, and there is par a pyramid behind you. <laughs> That's like, right. yep. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I would. Um, I, I went. I went up to a friend of mine when we were at the the pyramids, um, and there's also uh, interesting step pyramids in a place called Saqqara, and. Um, I'm a, a big Monty Python fan, mm -hmm. and and I and I perhaps this is something only other Monty Python fans will get. But I went up to her and I said, "It's only a model." <laughs> I had <have> to <laughs> see is, that. I haven't seen yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and she laughed, um, and it's a reference to Monty Python's uh, quest for the Holy Grail when King yes, Arthur's knight yeah. comes to Camelot, and one of them says, "It's only a model." <laughs> I've heard so, of it, so I, I need to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, basically any any English major um, geeks uh, kind of a, a holy grail in itself of, of a movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was it was quite extraordinary to to go and um, and actually be there on a camel in front of a pyramid. Yes, um, I mean it's like how ironic. I mean it's just yeah, that's exactly what you think of when you think of Egypt, and there you are on a camel with a pyramid behind you. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, exa exactly, and um, yeah, I, and I look at that picture, and I think, well, there I was. I know, um, that's amazing, you know, I bet um, you're just kind of in awe, you know, when you go back and look at your pictures, like, wow, I was really there. <laughs> oh, thank thank you, I, I appreciate that so much. Um, my sort of other life, as well, as a journalist and, and a writer, but also as an oriental dancer, uh, took me to many of these places, mm -hmm. and um I was able to, um, among other things, uh, perform uh, with a, I went on a tour that was basically designed for Oriental dancers, and, and we had an Oriental dance night where we got to perform on this cruise ship on the Nile. Oh, my gosh. And, um, <laughs> yeah, which was which was really fun, and again, to you know, I look, I look at the picture from there, and I said, well, Tara, I am in my costume. Uh, wow. We're really doing this. <laughs> That's just amazing. Um, a cruise ship on, on the Nile. Yeah, of all yeah. places, a cruise ship on the Nile. I mean, how many people can say, I was on a cruise ship on the Nile? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I just, I feel blessed and, and grateful to have those opportunities. Yeah. And, and I think it's also a consequence of when when you do follow your your dreams and, and, and go where they take you. Yeah. Um, so, That's great. Um, it might... Uh, third book of poetry by published by Emu Books, my, my fourth overall, is called Night's Island. And um, as the title implies, I'm always intrigued by places, and I think that all of us have a place, and it may be a place within mm -hmm. ourselves, or it may be an actual physical place, where we like to go just to have some respite and some sanctuary. Sure. Although sometimes when we go there, we find mysterious things waiting for us. Uh -huh. um, and so that's kind of the overall theme of Night's Island. Um, so I just wanted to read a, a couple of brief poems. Sure, go ahead. Uh, 
Yeah, and um, this the, this poem here, um, I, I, I'm semi-obsessed with the planet Mars, speaking of places. I mm-hmm. noticed over the years I've written a number of poems that involve the planet Mars in some way. Yeah, and um, it's this- funny you say that. We have been seeing, I'm pretty sure, I need to get my star finder out, Mars in our area, pretty close to the sky. It has been so bright lately in our area. Yeah. You can see yeah, it. Yeah, I believe I believe that's true. I had, in fact, interviewed an astronomer not too long ago, and they were talking about this amazing alignment of yes. some of the our uh, our um, interplanetary neighbors, Mars uh-huh. being among them. So yeah. um, you can this see definitely it. Definitely the time to yeah look up and see it. And and I think Mars has sort of captured people's imaginations for a long time. Oh, it has. Um, so um, so that's cool. So You're going to read a poem about it. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, one of my one of my miscellaneous poems about Mars. This poem is, yeah, this poem is called "The Mirrors of Mars." I stood at the foot of the red mountain, gentle light, thin air, cool red dust. I stood within a dream of a moon and rust. The ruddy plains will summon what we want. Wise, cold world, we have made it what we love in our waking. Cool. You need to like have like a planet, like a not planet, a picture of like Mars, like or or something, and then like have that poem off to the side. I um that's true, and I and I think often of uh, certainly the images from um, Pathfinder and various rover yes. missions, but but really most especially the images from Viking because that was the the Mars bound mission when I was a kid. Uh huh. And that is really, I think, the first um, space mission that, that really opened our eyes to Mars mm-hmm. as a place. And um, as Carl Sagan said, you know, a place where we have cast um, many of our ideas and, and dreams and possibilities. Mm-hmm. And um, so I often, I often think of him, and I often think of him talking about Mars um, oh, in nice. that way. I bet. And, um, and certainly Ray Bradbury, one of my favorite writers. Oh, um, yeah, I've heard of him. And I believe, I think, yeah, um, yeah of course. <laughs> and my boyfriend even talked about him. So, yeah. Yeah, he wrote, yeah, he wrote the Martian Chronicles. Um, so I, I think in some ways I feel sort of like just a humble strand of that, you know, ancestral memory of, of Mars and mm-hmm. our longing to, you know, explore a place that maybe is like our place, but maybe filled with us. Yeah. With um, all kinds of mysterious possibilities. Cool. Um, so um, I'd like to read one other um, poem from this same book, Night Silence. Um, I write a lot of poems about animals, about creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm, I used to joke with, with my late husband that um, he had the sort of higher-ordered creatures like birds and mammals which I love, but I also am a fan of the so-called lower-ordered lower creatures like insects, reptiles, um, fish and invertebrate things, um, and certainly uh, butterflies and, and moths. So this poem is called The Moth and Her Shadow. <laughs> Before I leap into this light, I strain to pull the air into my wings, and each push draws me closer to dying. My flight darkens the earth. The moon offers the assurance of cold stone. It is you who truly draws me, a self of me in night, falling but dancing upward in sparks. Hmm. 
that's the moth in the shadow. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, sometimes Thank people you. think some people sometimes think of moths like not quite as beautiful as butterflies. I I do know that they kind of think of them as kind of like dirty versions of butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I find, you know, when I looked at them up, up close, a lot of them have these very sweet, pretty little faces. They do. And then, you know, even some, and like their wing designs, some of them do have some neat little wing designs. And like, oh, it's just a moth. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, think, I often think of moths and, it, you know, butterflies are very beautiful and spectacular yes. in a different way. But moths are kind of a little bit more introspective. Um, I think partly because if we see them during the day, they usually kind of, dozing or conserving yeah. their energy um and they they have kind of a beauty and, and mystery all their own i i feel um so um so i and i i sometimes find myself drawn to butterflies and oh, and moths and, i love and what, butterflies <laughs> yeah something about their little spirit you know speaks uh, to me <laughs> i actually have little butterfly stickers in my little tiny uh, office cave area i have butterfly little 3d thingies that they pop out and yeah i, I love butterflies <laughs> oh, that's a that sounds great. It's like having butterflies within. Yeah, it's awesome. So I um I would love to read just a um a couple of poems from my most recent uh, poetry book. This one is called Pretty Green Thorns, and mm. um and this poetry book is a lot about um my heritage as as a first generation oh, um, Irish American person who um, has a, a mom from Ireland and, and we still have family there and I and I've been to visit them many times and um, and having a, a dad you know who grew up Boston Irish and um, this kind of amazing place of, of living um, in two worlds and, and between two worlds and um, so the, the poems in this book are a lot about certainly visiting Ireland um, and, and interacting with um, with my Irish family, um, but also how growing up Irish has influenced other parts of my life. And I would say certainly writing about gothic horror and things like that, mm -hmm. I feel I owe a lot to that heritage. Um, Bram Stoker, like we were talking oh, sure. about before, um, was an Irish author. Uh -huh. And um, and also um, the many other um, great authors, Oscar Wilde and people like that who contributed. Oh, Oscar Wilde. I love, I come across some of his quotes sometimes. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really um, great. Um, and, and I, it, when I, I read Irish authors, I really have that sense of like, um, you know, Ireland is a very modern nation, mm -hmm. um, but the Irish still have this amazing traditional culture. And, and part of that, is um, is an homage to our ancestors who believed very strongly in um, a spiritual world that interacted with the world of the living. And this is where we get um, our observance of Halloween. It actually mm -hmm. comes from the Irish observance of Samhain and um, the turning of the new year in a time when it was thought that spirits could cross over. Oh, yeah, and, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, so our whole tradition of trick or treat and mm -hmm. and jack o' lanterns and although they they carved turnips in that time and just the idea that you could communicate freely with ghosts and saints and um and and all of these you know sort of ambiguous beings mm -hmm. um it you know to me I I feel like that sense of imagination is something that I feel I owe a lot to 
um, being raised sure. in my Irish and Irish American culture. Hmm. And um, in fact, um, since we were talking about um, Bram Stoker, there's uh-huh. also a, a, that same picture of me <laughs> at um, at uh, Bram Stoker's house uh-huh. in Dublin. Yeah, is in is in that same book. Oh, so um, cool. <laughs> Yep, so um, I would love to read um, a poem from this book that is about um, uh, a, a being from Irish mythology called the Morrigan. Okay. We hear a lot about the Morrigan in popular culture these days, but it is not always represented properly. The Morrigan is a, um, it's thought to be an entity, a female entity with three uh, different sides or aspects. Oh my gosh. And it's associated with the crow. Huh. And the Morrigan has sort of become popular in role playing and, and things like that, um, but kind of taken out of her actual cultural okay. um, origin and meaning. Uh-huh. So, um, which is highly ambiguous and somewhat depends on, on the story that you're reading. So, yeah. this poem is called Mending the Morrigan, trying to. Uh, Trying to, trying to appreciate the Morgan in her, her actual proper and ancestral place. Oh, neat. Okay. I will keep your name like the tree circling a field. Dust devils dance, grass murmurs in October's wind. This is your home, your bed, two strangers divide you, though strangers divide you again and again. I will keep your name, hold you all in threads of ferocity. I will raise my arms to your swift-moving clouds and the rush of crows' cries. Hmm. Read that one more time. Just, I'm just curious. Sure. Okay, yeah, sure. I will keep your name like the trees circling a field. Dust devils dance. Grass murmurs in October's wind. This is your home, your bed. So strangers divide you again and again. I will keep your name, hold you all in threads of ferocity. I will raise my arms to your swift-moving clouds and the rush of crows' cries. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's why we needed a second time just to, <laughs> you know, you take it in. You oh. hear it the first time, then the second time you really want to hear it. So, <laughs> Sure. No, I, I, um, I definitely do that too sometimes like going back to um a poem and uh and reading it again and, mm-hmm. and sometimes um there are different things that come uh, out of it that come out of doing that sure um so um i'd like to read this uh one more uh, yeah, poem ahead. from this book which by, which is dedicated to my maternal um grandparents my mother's um mother and father mm-hmm. and um they lived lives of, of hardship, and um, but they also lived lives of tremendous strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's also kind of an homage to my ancestors. Um, and part of that for me was thinking about um, being a person of, of Gaelic and, and Celtic um, origin. Um, and these were races of people who were, uh, according to the ancient Romans and, and others, um, were basically looked at as barbarians. Mm-hmm. Um, the Celts were considered um, a barbarian race, people living on the fringes of what was at that time mainstream society. And um, the Irish lived under colonial occupation for a long time, and, and like many colonized people, 
their way of life was looked at as one way to justify that colonial dominance um, with the Irish, with the Aboriginal Australians, with, with people from India, Africa, was basically to say, well, these people are living a way of life that's inferior and they need us to civilize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought about that a lot. Um, so this poem is called Life is a Barbarian. Um, because honestly, I came to basically embrace the barbarian within. Um, mm-hmm. It's the people I come from. They've given me a lot. Um, so, uh, so this poem, Life is a Barbarian. We always embraced it wholly. Blue paint and pub songs. We walked to the river's edge. Mist drove over the stone walls. Now I am living it true. Sawin. Every day I wake up and I am here again. Voices wander like grass. Language is lost in a thicket. I promise you I will carry on in all our ways. Your caravan passes by. I promise you I will not close my eyes. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. That's a... Just a, a slice of life yeah. <laughs> as a barbarian. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like you just kind of like give them this like a, a quick look, you know, inside. That's what like I use some of your poems. It's kind of just like a, a short minute of just like of whatever it is like you're you're trying to describe. Like you're kind of letting the reader in just just for a few minutes or even just for like a second just to see. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that observation. I really do. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Very awesome. I, I really enjoyed all your readings, and, and I really hope that um, my, our listeners do, too. Um, we started this uh, podcast in, what is it, 2020? Was it early 2019 or late 2018? It's been, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm we've actually have become more popular in other countries besides just of America, of all places, like India and, oh, I forget, but we were in the top... Uh, 100 in the Apple podcast in other countries. So it's very interesting. <laughs> so you might oh, get, you might get some international oh, listeners. So that, I think that's pretty cool. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Um, that's, I, I think the, the power of, of the podcast is, uh, being able to reach so many people. Um, so all the people out there, um, I guess it's too late to apologize in advance if, if my poems bored the hell out of you. <laughs> No, they weren't boring at all. I think what they need to do too, especially go to your website. I mean, you can see her travels and her pictures and everywhere she's been. I mean, definitely, um, again, her website, megsmithwriter.com, go there and you can understand, you know, where she comes up with her ideas. And I mean, and then work. Okay. Last of all, too, uh, your books. Um, I saw you do have a shop where they can check out books on your website. They can do right. it there. Um, are they also like available like on Amazon or anywhere else or? Yes. Um, the four books that um, were published by Emu Books, um, the um, Dear Deepest Ghost, The Scarlet Dancing, Night's Island, and Pretty Green Thorns are all available on Amazon and they're also available through um, the online shop awesome. at uh, megsmithwriter.com. And um, also, uh, people can, can also check out um, my Facebook page and, and Twitter as well. But, the, but yes, those are the two places um, cool. that you can order them directly, yeah. the Amazon and megsmithwriter.com. Oh, and my hope is for 
um, a 25th anniversary edition of the first fire um, because of the circumstances of, of the COVID crisis mm-hmm. and everything that will probably be more like a release next spring. Um, oh, definitely. But um, then that, then uh, once everything uh, falls into place, I hope, I hope to have that book available on, on there as well. Great. You know, I'm just, I'm so happy that you came by poetry essentials hub.com. I mean, just randomly on, and then, you know, I got to speak to you. So, I mean, I, I just, you know, it's just a, what do you call it? Something a catch in the dark. I just thought I'd ask her, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? So, <laughs> so that's, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to, to be here. Um, and I'm so glad we found each other. Um, yeah. and I also, if I could, I just wanted to, um, give a shout out to, um, my husband, Derek Savoy, who's been sitting here actually quietly, um, <laughs> while we're doing this podcast. Um, he, supports me in everything that I do. He's actually taken all of my author, my, my author bio mm-hmm. picks, um, and he goes with me to poetry readings. Oh, and, so cool. um, I just, uh, um, I, I couldn't, uh, let the moment pass by without giving a shout out to him and, um, just my love and gratitude oh. for all, all he's done. That's to support so sweet that he does that. Uh, you know, when you've got someone to support you like that, it makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like, Here's here's to our here's to our uh, other half. <laughs> yes, most definitely. And feel free to come by and you know post more poetry on our our sheet. Hopefully, within as we continue the website, it will grow. Um, but you know we have a contact form. We have the publishing. Feel free to stop by anytime, and I'll look for you on Facebook and add you there too. Sure, that would be great. Yeah, awesome. I would love to do that. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Meg. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure, and, and thank you for having me on. Uh, it was really um, a delight and very enjoyable. Thank sure. you. Oh, I had a great time, too. Thank you so much. You, you have a good evening. Okay. You, too. Okay, Take bye-bye. care. Um, you, too. And uh, let me know if you need anything else, okay? All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Spoken Word Poetry Podcast. I appreciate each time you come to listen. When you listen, you are supporting my podcast. My only goal here is to share inspirational messages that I hope will inspire you, tell you a story, or offer a bit of wisdom. I hope you come back to listen again. Have a great day.